Good morning and welcome to Jew in the City Speaks with your host, Allison Josephs, also known as Jew in the City. Part of what we do at Jew in the City is to reverse negative associations around the Orthodox Jewish community itself. So that means that instead of having associations of Orthodox Jews who are abusers or who are closed-minded or who break the law, these are the things that we normally see depicted in the news, depicted in fictional media. Uh, we show examples of Orthodox Jews doing positive things, being exceptionally honest or talented or contributing to the world, uh, doing great acts of chesed. Uh, the other thing that we do at Jew in the City is that we show that Orthodox Judaism uh, can be both engaging and meaningful. It can be relevant in modern times. This is another big thing that we have to really push back at because the repeated narrative again and again is that this is an archaic way of life. Um, and that, you know, it should have kind of gotten lost in the dustbins of history. Um, and I think even growing up as a non-observant Jew, uh, seeing Orthodox Jews walking down the street, I kind of thought that these were like fiddler on the roof Jews, kind of like, what are you doing here in modern times? In fact, there was this really strange article in the forward a few years ago about a guy describing his get. He got the get at the Basin of America, which is a very professionally run modern Orthodox uh, Jewish court. And he started conjuring up imagery of like push carts and like the 1920s and schmatas and none of that was happening. But I think the association with orthodoxy is that it's so outdated and so not relevant. And that's why um, we're so excited to be able to, you know, show here at you in the city um, ways that Orthodox Judaism can be relevant to our lives, can enrich our lives. Instead of the messaging again and again um, about um, Orthodox Judaism holding us back, keeping us prison, we want to show here how much room there is within an Orthodox Jewish life to live life to its fullest, and then not just live a nice and enjoyable life, but live a meaningful life and a life with more wisdom than you would have had you wouldn't have had unless you you had this kind of wisdom. And um, we have an amazing guest with us today. Um, I've been a fan of his for a while, so it's so exciting to get to speak to him um, on the show. His name is uh, Dr. David Rosemarin. I know what PhD is. I don't know what ABPP means, but I guess he'll explain that to us. Um, he's the Director of Spirituality and Mental Health Program at McLean Hospital and Assistant Professor of Psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. He supervises the provision of spiritually integrated services in clinical programs throughout people's hospital division structure and collaborates with laboratories to study the clinical relevance of spirituality to anxiety, mood, psychotic substance use, and other disorders. Um, really cool stuff. And uh, Dr. Rosemary is joining us today to speak about his new book. It's called The Connections Paradigm, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Mental Health. Dr. Rosemary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for uh, having me uh, as a guest. And uh, in terms of being a fan, I thought I was the fan. So uh, I guess it's a mutual feeling. So the thing is that um, my life has gotten so into like mental health recently. I thought that my initial path was Jewish outreach and education inspiration. Um, and the interesting thing about going onto the internet, well, first of all, I think maybe you need people that, you meet people that need mental health help. That's just sort of the thing about the internet is the wild west. Um, but so many of the people that have come to Jew in the city, some of them to scream and shout and you know make all sorts of accusations, but then another community to really express hurt and uh, negative experiences growing up Orthodox. So many of these stories are based in you know, mental health challenges and, you know, 
something going wrong in the the upbringing in you know the safety in you know how uh, life was given over um, by parents by teachers by rebbies and so um, i've gotten so much more attuned to the importance of understanding what makes a human being emotionally healthy because thank god i think you know i got it pretty naturally growing up um, and then also understanding the importance of studying what's going wrong so that we can come to you know figure out how to make things right um, so it's really, I'm, I'm paying attention now more than ever, um, and I hope we'll continue this conversation after uh, our podcast. So, um, so um, in the book, um, just sort of the, the quick uh, you know, bio is that you describe a 3,000 year old tradition that focuses on healing three key relationships. Uh, these relationships are between our bodies and souls, ourselves and others, and ourselves and God. Um, and so I would love for you in our next, you know, 20 or so minutes, if you could describe to us kind of the framework of this book, I guess, number one, um, why did you write it? And then number two, if you could walk us through those three relationships, because that kind of seems to be, well, everything of being a human being. So yeah, when and why did you decide to write it and then take us through those uh, frameworks? Sure. So um, I went through graduate school, and that's where you get the PhD from. And the ABPP is the Board of Psychiatry, the American Board of Professional Psychiatry. So as I went through that training, um, I um, was faced with um, a field that conceptualizes mental health struggles as a disease. And, and there's some truth to that in certain respects. Um, the disease model, I think, has advanced our understanding and our um, treatments for individual, also humane treatment of individuals who struggle with issues like depression or bipolar disorder, anxiety or psychotic disorders or whatever it is. But there's something that I always found missing from that, which is that when you ameliorate or reduce people's levels of distress, you don't necessarily leave them with a meaningful life worth living. Hmm. And that's where I turned to different resources in order to try to understand not only how to reduce people's distress, which I did learn how to do um, in, my, in my training, but how to help people thrive, how to help people not only um, feel less bad, but actually to rise up and have meaningful uh, uh, connections. And that led me to Rabbi Leib Kellerman of Jerusalem. I don't know if he's been on your show, but he is such a wonderful man and a wonderful mentor um, to many of us in the English speaking world in all sorts of different sectors. And I, you know, have come from uh, psychology, professional psychology and um, uh, and treatment perspective to draw as much wisdom as I possibly could from him on what does Orthodox Judaism, what does traditional uh, Jewish uh, wisdom have to say about not only how to reduce distress, but how to live a thriving life. I just want to um, I, I want to interject here. There was a point in my life when I maybe could have used a psychiatrist, um, but I didn't see one. Um, my journey to Judaism started with trauma. Um, I was being raised sort of as the you know all American secular Jew, uh, you know American dream. What my great grandparents didn't have. And then there was a triple murder in my town uh, where a father went crazy and he killed both of his kids and himself. Wow. Um, and so the distress came, which was like panic attacks um, and off and on insomnia. Um, but it's like exactly what you're saying. 
it, it wouldn't have been enough because people said to me, did your parents send you to a shrink? And I always felt like, well, I'm just going to say to him, why'd you get up this morning? Because it wasn't that I had to just like sort of calm down from the panic attacks or insomnia. I actually was looking for meaning. Um, what was keeping me up at night and what was like sort of making me um, so distressed was that it didn't seem like anything that I did mattered. And I just sort of saw that like life was in the blink of an eye of the entire, the eternity of the universe. And um, it just felt terrifying that like, what if I don't actually have a bigger purpose here in this world? And so I totally hear you because like stopping the panic attacks or insomnia wouldn't have been enough. I needed, my soul needed to connect to something deeper in order to feel like living even mattered. Is that like along at all, like the sort of thing that you deal with? Or? Yeah, I think you've kind of skipped ahead to the third section of the book, <laughs> which is our relationship with God, which is great. Um, not everybody's holding there. And I think there are, are you know, intern steps along the way um, in order in order to get there. Um, we definitely, you know, the Connections uh, paradigm in the book does speak about those existential issues. Like, why am I here? And, and what what is my purpose in this world? And how do I sort of figure that out? Um, using, you know, using Jewish wisdom to, to do so, and what are the effects of that on my mental health? So yes, a resounding yes, um, but there are a couple of uh, interim steps, critical ones. Okay, so take us through uh, sort of the, you know, these three different relationship types. Yeah, so as I was speaking to Rabbi Kellerman over the past uh, tw 20 years about this paradigm, and I just want to clarify, this is um, the type of uh, wisdom that uh, Rabbi Kellman received from his rabbinic mentors who received it from their rabbinic mentors. And you can actually trace it back. And once he did this with me, you can trace it back 3000 years, which is pretty cool, um, especially for me coming from a mental health you know, standpoint, just to look at the historic significance of this. But be beyond that, um, these, uh, what, what I learned is um, a, a Jewish approach to mental health in which there are these three relationships. There's our relationship with ourself, our body and our soul, if you will. There's our relationship with other people, our interpersonal connections. And finally, there's uh, what Allison Joseph is doing, which is uh, our relationship with um, our creator, with something, with something which, is, which is bigger than us, bigger than this world. Um, and importantly in the paradigm, those are actually uh, um, it's a pyramidal structure. So the most fundamental aspect of connection is our relationship with ourself. If body and soul are out of sync, we cannot have sustained relationships with other people. We can do it for a period of time. You can fake it for a while, but eventually those relationships with others are not going to be healthy. Something is going to fall yeah. apart. And as you might have guessed, our relationships with others are a fundamental middle part of that pyramid, which supports our relationship with um, something greater. And this is, yeah, this is why you have to have relationships with other people, which are uh, close, not being, you know, uh, narcissistic and, uh, and obnoxious. Uh, that's not going to sustain uh, long-term spiritual growth, according to this model. Would, um, so I'm just looking for sort of Torah sources to say relationship with self first. If I'm not for myself, who will be? Is that sure. something that comes up in that chapter? Sure. Um, sure. And, and, and along, along those lines. Um, and in terms of ourself, you know, in some ways, that first part of the book is the most uh, important. In many ways, it is. Um, because in American society and Western society in general, we're terrible in treating ourselves well. We're so hard on ourselves. There's this relentless pursuit 
of success as opposed to understanding what the body needs. Our bodies need sleep. They need rest. They need time off. They need um, connections with other people. I, I mean, our actual bodies need that, let alone the second level. Um, we need to have fun. We need to be laughing. We need to be enjoying aspects of life and also tolerating our idiosyncrasies. I don't know about you, Allison, but I'm not perfect. Guilty at all. <laughs> and every day I royally mess up. How do I handle that? Right. Do I, you know, do I handle it with self-compassion? Do I give myself that, you know, bandwidth to be able to mess up and, and be okay with it? Or, you know, am I, am I uh, tyrannical with myself? Am I, do I push myself to the limit, to the brink? So these are the kinds of themes that are explored in that first uh, section of the book, our relationship with ourselves, And, um, and uh, they are fundamental not only to reducing anxiety and depression, but to uh, living a happy existence. I know something that I'm looking into this a lot, and I know probably this starts off in childhood, probably there is, um, I, I mean, my newest thing that I'm talking about everywhere because I've seen this, I saw trauma as sort of one of the precursors to coming to Makhom, our division that's helping um, Haredi Jews that had negative experiences and are looking for a new place in orthodoxy. Sure. Um, so trauma was sort of the first thing that was, you know, almost uh, spoke to every member's uh, past experience that brought them there. But now the second thing that I believe is actually the two together is the magic formula is lack of secure attachment. And I think um, if we don't develop that self, that sense of self-love, that feel um, that we matter, um, that there's a place that we belong, there's a place where we're cherished. Um, if we don't get that early on, I think um, human beings spend a lifetime searching for a place to belong and feeling like they don't matter and feeling like um, you know they shouldn't bother. And so it totally makes sense that that's where um, you can't go on to be with other people in a healthy way or be with God in a healthy way if you don't have that self-love. And, you know, as I'm looking into so many people coming to us lacking that sort of sound structure of the foundation of who they are as people, I noticed that question in um, the uh, Sarah Sedibros, the Ten Commandments, that's always weird. Why does it start with a commandment of I am God? Like, it's not a commandment. And what I wondered is that is it before we can do these commandments sort of behave as Jews, we have to be able to say, this is who I am. I need to have um, a sense of identity and that I am someone before I can even begin to go out and you know, do things in the world. Um, so I am I'm totally with you on, on that. Very nice. Yeah, that's a great idea. I like, I like your, uh, I like your um, interpretation there. Um, you. you mentioned secure attachment, and that's the second aspect of it, which is our attachment with others. And this also is an area that in Western society we don't really truly value. I mean, as evidenced by divorce rates, non-marriage rates, the fact that people today aren't even thinking about um, necessarily connecting with other people in, 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 uh, in lifelong committed, committed manners. Um, also, just so, relationships are so tenuous today. People are so quick to give up on other people and not connect with them, I'll walk away from lifelong friendships. And it's sad. Um, and our, uh, you know, the, the Jewish tradition uh, apparently has a number of ways to deal with, uh, some pretty sophisticated ways, I'll say, many of them that are 
fairly well supported by by recent evidence. Some of them, I think, are ahead of the fields of psychology. Can um, I just interject with one quick question and then tell yeah. me the Jewish perspective are? Are we doing worse than ever before? Do you have a sense that our society is emotionally less healthy than ever before? Or are we just more aware of it and talking about it and have names for it? Because I'm just wondering if you think that we're doing worse or where yeah, there's no question we're doing worse. It's not only a matter of identification. You're going to, you know, because often people say, well, the incidence of depression is because we're recognizing it more. That's perhaps true, but what we wouldn't see is severity of depression. There are more people who are on disability today because of mental health issues than ever before. There are more people. Do you have any thoughts about why we're doing worse than ever? I think it's because of the lack of connection. Our society is cascading towards a cliff. Um, just to give you some other clear metrics on that, the suicide rate, the it's the number two cause of death in individuals under the age of 35 today. Is, is this COVID related or pre-COVID? No, this is all pre-COVID. Now it's even worse. Now it's worse. <laughs> no, pre-COVID, it was 20, it was it was the second leading cause of death. And if you look at self-injury, the number of people who are destroying bodily tissue in order to cope with negative emotions, the numbers have skyrocketed. Some, so I saw some data that some 20, more than 20% of, of was it seventh graders or eighth graders engaging in, in self-injury? I mean, it's it's really, really going off a cliff, our mental health. So and what made us less, is social media making us less connected? I, I, I'm all for working women and I'm a working mother, but like, is it that there's not a parent at home? Like, do you have thoughts about like why we're less connected than ever? It's always the mom's fault, right? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not gonna tell you that one. Um, but what I am gonna tell, and by the way, you implied it before when you said about, you know, secure attachment and stuff like that. I think there's actually I, I, a lot of that. I think there's a really important role for mother. A hundred percent is there definitely is, but it's not all your mother's fault. That's definitely the case. And it's not your fault with your kids or whatever. And mine with mine. Um, but um, what is going on, I think social media has, 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 uh, um, has hastened the pay, the pace. I don't think it's caused it, but it has definitely been a right context for people to be less connected with themselves. One of the key predictors, and this relates to the first level of connection with our, our bodies and our souls, of uh, people not doing well and having higher depression, higher anxieties, less sleep, not getting enough sleep. Uh, I have had depressed patients come into my office who are clinically depressed, chronically for years, and all we do is work on their sleep and they get better within two weeks. Wow. Now to sustain that is hard. And by the way, there's good laboratory data from other from 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 uh, a number of centers around the United States showing that that's an effective strategy. They have to sustain it, but what what keeps us up at night? It's all it's going to be to the devices. Mm -hmm. So it's it's definitely a factor that makes it harder to take care of ourselves. We're more distracted. It also for sure gets in the way of our relationships with others, which is where I think you were going. Mm -hmm. And also how we judge ourselves, our relationships with others, and how we judge ourselves compared to the fake lives that other people put out there. For and sure, the social comparison aspect of it. Okay, so now that I interrupt you, if you could get back to that other part about what are those uh, different ideas uh, that are in ancient wisdom that match up to modern psychology? Yeah, well, one of them is the importance of, like you said before, secure attachment. And the attachment literature is very uh, uh, um, uh, robust and shows uh, very solid, there's solid evidence that our relationships with others are in many ways the number one predictor of, certainly in adults, of people thriving and doing well. Um, the Harvard study on adult development found that exact thing, that of all the factors, IQ, um, people's uh, uh, socioeconomic status, uh, even physical illness, 
the number one factor that predicted uh, healthy aging at age 70 and 80 was the quality of their relationships at age 50 and 60. Hmm. So the age, wait, relationship is age 50 and 60, not childhood secure attachment. Well, that could be related to our subsequent, you know, relationships in, in, in uh, middle adulthood. Um, but when people are connected to others, they're able to rely on others. They're able to be there for others and to support others. You know, part of being connected to other people is being vulnerable. And, you know, we don't have to tell everybody all our dirty laundry and what's going on for us, but there have to be a couple of people in your life where you can open up to them. It's fascinating because we have members of Makom who have told us that we are the first people they have ever uttered their inside voice to. And these are grown adults and they've never had a safe space to be able to say anything going on in their mind that doesn't fit whatever narrative they're supposed to believe. So, um, and they come to us like in utter desperation. Right, that's, that's, that's exactly it. Rabbi Kellerman once expressed to me, there's this word, which actually means connection called Yadid. Yeah, Yadid. And that's uh, Yud Dalad Yud Dalad in Hebrew, which is Yad Yad. There's two hands. And that means you're reaching out to somebody and they're reaching back to you. It's, yeah. it's really a, you know, it's, it, it's, a, it's a process of connecting to other people and that being an ultimate, an ultimate value. Um, so what else can I tell you about our relationship with others? Oh, yes. Um, any relationship that you have with anyone, maybe even including, you know, yours truly, I don't know, you that well. And I probably haven't irritated you that much yet. But at some point, if we continue speaking, I probably will. And then what do you do? Is that the end of the conversation or do we work it out? And um, it's like that with all relationships that we have. So the, the Connections Paradigm speaks about how to do that, how to tolerate other people's um, idiosyncrasies. And is this, um, is this like sort of the tshuva process? Is that sort of the, the Jewish framework about how to deal with like a falling out? It's a good question. A lot of it does require just tolerating other people and understanding that, you know, we're not going to be happy all the time with what other people do. And yes, sometimes there is a process of making amends and that's obviously important, but a lot of it also is acceptance. Mm -hmm. It's not always going to work out the way we want it to. And uh, that was a, definitely a paradigm shift for me. I didn't quite realize that that was a Jewish perspective. Mm -hmm. um, Acceptance as in sort of this is Hashem's plan. And so if this is the yeah. plan. Sometimes people are brought into our lives and they're difficult to deal with. And we have to find ways to, of course, you know, express ourselves in as tactfully and, you know, assertive to some degree way, but at the same time, accepting that people are complicated and better to have relationships with them than not at all. Mm -hmm. Makes sense. And yeah. anything else in the Ben Adam Chavero, the person-to-person one, or should we move on to the person? Plenty, but in the interest of time, we should probably move on to the to our relationship with with God. Um, and in that regard, there's a number of things. Number one is is really believing in ourselves that we were brought to this world for a purpose. You mentioned this yourself, you know, in in your own experience. What am I here for? Once we identify that purpose, to understand that. There are going to be things that might get in the way of that, but ultimately we can persevere and overcome them. There is this tendency in American society today, in Western society on a whole, that when people hit roadblocks, they give up. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like that wasn't meant to be. And maybe it was, but there's just a barrier in the way, which is normal. I don't know about you, but anything I've done in this world that's been worthwhile has been like climbing 
a mountain. There have been all sorts of issues that come up and that is normal. That's just a normal part of life. That might be a way of inculcating in deep inside of ourselves this perspective that we can overcome adversity. So it's important to reframe when we're having difficulties that it's not necessarily the end of the world. Sometimes we're on a mission and it's going to be a tough mission, but you know, there might even be casualties along the way, but it doesn't mean we have to give up and doesn't mean we should. So that's one idea from that third part of the book. And it kind of means relying on something greater than us, on, on a higher power to get us through those difficult periods. Mm-hmm. It's not all up to us. Yeah, so I never actually did like adulthood without believing in a higher power. And the truth is that I don't actually know how I would have because um, I think people just sort of go through life sort of kidding themselves that um, the world is as fragile as it actually is um, and to not sort of have something bigger to fall into and lean on in those um, moments where you walk into class and you're, you find out your classmate has been shot by her um, you know, father the night before. That certainly um, inculcated that idea to me about life's fragility and certainly um, you know, having um, a framework of something bigger than myself to lean on um, you know, was, was so meaningful. Um, tell us where they can get your book. Say the name over again for the people that maybe. Yeah, sure. Yeah, my publisher will be happy that you asked me to do that. Uh, the book is called The Pen- Connections Paradigm, Ancient Wisdom for Modern Mental Health, Ancient Jewish Wisdom for Modern Mental Health. And it's available on Amazon or anywhere that books are sold. And I'm very grateful to Templeton Press for uh, enabling me to um, to get this uh, material out there and for my own development. It's, it was quite, a, quite an experience to write it. And would you say is this book for Jews only? Would you say no? That? Definitely not. Templeton Press is a is a is an evangelical Christian uh, uh, publisher, and they took a keen interest in this book. Wisdom for for all times for all people. Awesome. It's not just the Jewish community. Amazing. All right, so um, you can uh, grab a copy of that um, after listening to the show, um, and uh, we wish you continued Hatzlafa and all of your incredible work. Thank you to you as well. I really appreciate the opportunity to meet today. Thanks so much. Uh, uh, I as well. Um, and thank you so much for listening. You can join us same time, same place next week. Bye-bye. 